Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big Sills! 11 days. Until we find out if you or me it's going to have a better look at what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to look like in 2023. And for that matter, a bunch of teams. I can't wait. You know, the greatest reality tuttle television show has to be the NFL. You know, it's the only league. Like, you don't get this in the NBA, and you really don't get this in Major League Baseball, where a shitty team like the Jets – How many years have the Jets not made the playoffs? 12? We're now, they're they're talking about that team potentially being a Super Bowl contender. Every single year, there's a team that jumps up and you go like this. Holy shit, that was really a great year. We've even seen the Cardinals. The Cardinals make it to a Super Bowl. Right? Right? We've seen that Cardinal team get there. Kurt Warner took them to the Super Bowl. You're like, even the shittiest teams in the NFL get an opportunity at the brass ring. You don't see that in the NBA. The Memphis Grizzlies and the Orlando Magic are not making it to the NBA Finals. I could say it on this day, August 30th. There's not a chance in hell. The Memphis Grizzlies or the Orlando Magic win the NBA championship. The Jets, maybe. Things fall right. Injuries. Right personnel decisions. Hey, Loki, Saints. I think the Saints are going to have the home field advantage in the NFC. That's a prediction I have. You know why? I think they got a pretty good football team. And... They're going to be this year's version of the Eagles, of what last year was in 2022. You don't play anybody, and you're a good football team. And, well, different here because, well, no one knew the NFC East was going to have a turnaround. I think that was all smoke and mirrors. Personally, I think the NFC East a year ago, outside of the Cowboys and the Eagles, I think that division was fool's gold. I do. I look at the Giants this year and I go, you really think that Giants team is a 500 team? I don't. I think maybe the 
Commanders could be better. We'll see. But I don't think they were as good as what people... No team finished under 500 in the NFC East last year. I think somebody's finishing under 500. Just look at the NFC South, though. It's terrible. Okay? I, I mean, I look at the East and go, Cowboys, Eagles, and Eagles for sure, number one. Man, I'll tell you what. The hype machine is just absolutely all over the Cowboys. The, the hype machine is there. Whoa. I don't know if I've ever seen a team in Dallas hyped up more than this team. And I even mean the Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith teams. This thing is on a hype train, and it is in the front when it comes to the NFL conversation. Holy cow. By the way, I see that the Eagles are now still working on the roster. They need a punter, probably a punt returner. They clearly lead, need more linebackers. I'm going to make a comment, and I kind of said this earlier on Sports Take. I think Howie Roseman has been a different general manager since he was put in the broom closet, came out and had that summer retreat where he went to Europe with R.C. Buford, the former San Antonio Spurs general manager who won all those championships. And I think Howie Roseman learned the most important thing that the San Antonio Spurs brought to the NBA in one of the greatest dynasties of all time. Patience and listening. And patience with his front office people. Listening to people's opinions and views and then actually taking their opinions and views and putting them at a high value. You know how sometimes you hear things and you just kind of blow it off? I think that's what the Cowboys do. I think the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, I think he listens to a lot of stuff, but he still goes by his gut. And most of the time, his gut feeling costs him in the playoffs. Okay? Jerry's living off the past. His best years with the Dallas Cowboys are in the rearview mirror. Everyone knows it. But yet, here we are. How he's built the hell of a roster this year, as he did a year ago. It's not quite as experienced. It's probably more athletic. You know, when I listen to Philadelphia sports media people talking, I have a different eye for what I see compared to what they see. Boy, man, you guys in the media in Philly, man, you really love your team. And I give that to you. But it blinds you sometimes with the truth. People who go like this, the Eagles have a great running back room are high it's not true or when, when they say you're deeper at safety how do you know that until you see him play you're deeper at d-line where's that coming from or an underachieving defensive tackle a year ago and a rookie who i love hasn't played it down how can you make those assertions? Now, if you come to me and go like this, Sills, this is my opinion. That's a different conversation, okay? But when you start talking like an analyst or people telling me, hey, Rashad Penny, I made a point to you yesterday to point it out. The guys average 57 carries a year for five years. And someone goes, it's an upgrade to Miles Sanders. That's unbelievably off base. 
and not factual. Okay? Is Jalen Hurts better? Yeah, I believe so. I do. I think he's going to be better in blitz pickup. And I think one of the most important things that they've added to his arsenal this year, you know, one of the major reasons that he didn't throw for 4,000 yards last year, besides the fact he missed some games and he was injured at the end of the year, they had no screen game. Now they're trying to implement one. That's trying to upgrade the passing game. Great. I think they're going to. Do I think this year's offense is better than last year? Even with the loss of say a Milo and 1,100 or 1,300 yards rushing in 13 or 11 touchdowns with Miles Sanders. Yeah, because as we've been saying, as we get ready for the start of the year, I think they're redefining that running back role. Yes. Okay. When you start to tell me, well, I think the team can be better, and you go, you don't have a punter. You don't have a punt return guy. Think about this on August 30th. Think about it. The Philadelphia Eagles don't have a punter and a punt returner. And you're trying to tell me football's three units, offense, defense, and special teams. Did you just forget your special teams? Is it a non-factor? A lot of teams, and, and see, the reason that I'm making it a big issue, you're this close. Do you think special teams can cost you again a championship? It's one thing to be the Cardinals and in a rebuild. It's one thing to be, you know, one of those guys. Maniac goes, A.J. Brown is going to punt as well. Right. I mean, you just like completely like exclude that. Well, we're better. I don't believe that. I think you're top-heavy. And I think you're unbalanced, actually. I'm not the only one that thinks that. I think your offense is the best collection of talent in the NFL as a combined group. Okay? As a combined group, you have the most talent. Which means in this... If you have a catastrophic injury to Jalen Hurts, your season might not be completely over. Other places, it's over. Kansas City included in that conversation. Okay? Now, look, we talked about the special teams yesterday. We're not going to go knee-deep into it because, again, we're 11 days out. This shit's set in stone. This stuff's ready. You... There's no, you know, I'll I'll take that back because you did upgrade your football team a year ago today by finding Gardner Johnson. Hey, and for the record, the more and more I look at the Zach Cunningham deal, it is like Kaiser White. You might have a push there. That would be great. Okay, that would be great. Okay. I know all of you are wishing to Kobe great success. I can't wait to see it. I love what people and some people said in here. You bet, man. I want to feel as comfortable as the Eagles do with Nicobe. 
I can't wait to watch it against New England because he's going to be the centerpiece. He's going to be the centerpiece. By the way, I'm going to make a comment to you here. There is not a chance in hell Jalen Hurts wins the MVP. Not a chance in hell. This is not me saying it either. This is the league saying it, and this is the media that votes for it. Do you want me to prove it to you? We're going to get into the topics here. There's not a chance in hell. I didn't say this. Robert goes after league. Those are the people that vote for the damn thing, dude. They're biased. They don't even look at Jalen Hurts as the best young quarterback in the NFL. 25 and under. They don't look at him as the best one. How's he going to win the MVP? When they don't even consider that. These are the voters. The players don't vote for the MVP. The media does. You, you understand that, right? You get that. The perception of Hurts. And, and again, watch this. The players in the league respect Jalen more than the people that cover him. You are delusional to say defense is anything yet remains to be seen. AJ will never punt. You're crazy to say punters can get hurt. I think you're aiming that at someone else. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Niner, appreciate it. Thank you. Hurts is the number two quarterback. Let's take a look at that. So today, the Athletic came out with the top players in the National Football League, 25 and under. And here's what they think of your boy. Number 10, Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle, Buccaneers. Number nine, Sauce Gardner. Cornerback, Jets. Number eight, Jalen Hurts. Quarterback, Eagles. Number seven, Quentin Williams, DT. Jets. Number six, Justin Herbert. Quarterback, Chargers. Number five, Jamar Chase. Wide receiver, Bengals. Number four, Patrick Sertain, Broncos corner. Number three, Nick Boza, 49ers defensive end. Number two, Micah Parsons, edge rusher, Dallas Cowboys. Number one, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, Vikings. Shit, they don't even think that Jalen Hurts is the best 25 and under. They think the kid in Los Angeles is. 
like I've been telling you the entire time. Do you know how many people are NFL? I added them up. Do you know how many people are the NFL MVP voters that work for the athletic around the country? By the way, bought by the New York Times. You know how many people of the 57 voter, voters? 42 of them. Hertz has no shot. Even if he puts a really good year up, they're not voting him MVP. They're not. He was never winning that thing a year ago over Mahomes. He was never winning that over him. I don't care what anyone says. 5,500 passing yards, breaks the NFL single season passing record, throws for 45 touchdowns You're with nobody to throw to, and you think your guy's winning it over him. Never happened. They have a negative look at Jalen. Me personally, mine has changed. I think the kid is getting better. I think the kid's vision's getting better. I mean, the smarter he gets, the better he gets. And I'm talking about seeing the game. I think he's getting better. Absolutely. He's getting better and better and better and better. And like I said, people are not going to, hey, it's funny when, you know, Tone was saying this to me yesterday. We, you, you forget about the rushing yards. I'm not the only one that doesn't add that in in the perception of how they see him. So does every other person that covers this league not put that into the equation. I'm not the only one. When they look at guys that could carry football teams, if you lose certain players, Jalen Hurts is not going to carry a football team to a Super Bowl without that team being the way it is. I don't care what guys like Jeff Kerr say. Okay? I don't care what you say. There are certain dudes. Do I think Joe Burrow could carry the Bengals to the Super Bowl with a shitty old line and one tight end? No. No, I do not. I think Josh Allen can. He does. He has no run game, one wide out. That guy shows me. That's how they see Hurts. That's how they see him. Oh, everyone thinks that there's this love affair with Jalen. There's not. Show me where there's a love affair. With the players in the league, voting him number three, top 100. I said that to you. There's more respect in the league with Jalen Hurts from the players than there is from the people who cover it. Those are the people that put the perception out on him. Those are the people that took what Nick Saban said about him and said that the guy was a second rounder and he lost his gig at Alabama. All the negative things were written by people and there was a stigma with the kid. I think he's done a great job erasing that stigma. I really do. You know how I know that? There's 255 million reasons why. 255 million reasons. It is infuriating. Peyton Manning still holds a single-season passing record with 54. Mahomes broke the record for most total yards in a season, 55-62. Okay? Okay. 
It's infuriating. Absolutely. You see, it's really cool to see that the Philadelphia sports fans and the people in the general area have a really high opinion of him. You know why? Because it's your passion to cover him and watch him grow. I think it's really cool to watch somebody get better. And you watch a guy get better and better. You watch a guy embrace the city. You watch a guy who is making an impact on his teammates. His teammates want to play for him. All of that. I think it's a great story to watch. Is he a polarizing guy? No. He's kind of like a Tom Brady, New England kind of guy or Tim Duncan. They're boring dudes. That's okay, though. Those guys were the most successful people in their respected sports. You ever think about that? Tim Duncan and Tom Brady were the most boring guys in their sport. Hey, and you could say that almost for Patrick Mahomes. If it's not for his dumbass brother and his wife getting on social media, you'd never know shit about Mahomes. Right? Darcy says that Jalen Hurts is a top three quarterback based off of one year. Okay. Everyone has their own metric. You know, that's the, that's the fun thing about our conversation here. You have a metric. I have a metric of trends. Okay. I like seeing people consistently do it over and over and over and over again. That, to me, is a sign of greatness. You're never going to be, like, you're never going to be your greatest season. And if you're really a great player, you're never going to be your worst. That's why Dak's got so much pressure on his ass. Here, here's the one thing, though, that I will give Hurts. Tell me if this is not true. He's consistently getting better since Oklahoma. Is that fair? Would you put that into a conversation on Hurts? Has Jalen Hurts gotten better as a quarterback since Norman, Oklahoma? Well, he's a runner-up Heisman guy at OU. He waited his turn, got his start, became a starter. You're a starter in the NFL? That's quite an accomplishment. Especially at that position. Then, you put in a year like you did a year ago where you helped lead your team to the Super Bowl. I don't know about you, but that's consistently getting better. Since Norman. Right? Tone's like, man, I can't wait for the season to start. Nor can I. I can't wait. You know what that's code for? What Tone just said? So Chandler can shut your mouth, Sills. And you know what? I can't wait either. That's what we do here. You're right. Tone's a fabulous producer and soon-to-be-on-air guy. You see how he did that professionally? Sills, I can't wait for the season to start.
code so he could shut your mouth. Lamar Jackson shut my mouth. No, like Jordan, look how that turned out. I wouldn't say that that guy hitting a jump shot in the corner as a freshman at North Carolina and comparing Jalen Hurts to Michael Jordan and then Jordan blasting onto the scene the way he did is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts didn't blast onto the scene. Michael Jordan blasted onto the scene. Okay? Hey, I said this about Lamar Jackson when he took over for Joe Flacco. This guy's going to be out of the league in five years. He can't hit the broadside of a barn. What did he do? The next year I'm doing this. I can't believe what I'm seeing. The guy won the MVP unanimously. With Brady still in the league. And Peyton Manning. And Drew Brees. And Patrick Mahomes. I mean, unanimous. I think him and Manning are the only guys ever to have a unanimous MVP. I was like, my God. I never saw a guy turn his career. I I had never seen anything like that. Led the NFL in passing touchdowns. He was a force. Of absolute force. Okay? Jordan comparison and work ethic? Yeah, but I don't think Jalen Hurts is an asshole like Jordan is. Okay? I See, Jordan's an asshole to his, to his teammates. Jalen Hurts is not. And nor was Brady. I get the work ethic. Okay? I get the work ethic. Now, the question will be, does he have the anger to be a champion? Because I think you've got to be kind of angry to be a champion. All the great ones had it. Tiger's a jackass. Ali, in many ways, to his opponent, was a jackass. Jordan's a jackass. All these great ones, man. There's just some intangible about not shaking hands after a game or whatever. Poor... Some call it poor sportsmanship. I mean, dude, people who vote in the NFL for MVP don't think he's even the top guy, 25 and under. I'm glad the Athletic kind of did it differently than what CBS did it. And still, 25 and under, they still think Herbert's better. Do I think Justin Herbert's a better player than Jalen Hurts? As a passer? Absolutely. As a winner? I don't, I don't think so, but he's in a tougher conference. He's in a tougher division. You got Mahomes twice. You're playing Dak twice, and you haven't beaten him. Herbert's got Mahomes. Now he's got Russell Wilson. We'll see if that guy still has anything left. Okay? AFC West, that's where the reigning Super Bowl champions are. Two times in the last five years. Okay? Justin Herbert does not throw the football better than just, Jesus, criminy. Let's not go there. There's two different things here. 
Justin Herbert is a 10-time better passer than Jalen Hurts. Okay? Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean Justin Herbert is going to win more games than Jalen Hurts. And he's got a loaded team, too. Jalen's got the organization. I think the Spanos family, my opinion, they are not winners. They are not winners. You live in the past with Justin Herbert? I don't know what you're talking about. Herbert's numbers, only Mahomes has thrown for more yards than that guy in the first three years of his career. Only Mahomes. What are you talking about? This guy's on pace to throw for set. He's going to, when he retires, he'll retire 70,000 passing yards. Jalen would be lucky to be 40. As long as they keep putting talent around him. And if I were Justin Herbert's agent, I'd want to get the hell out of Los Angeles because I do not believe that the Chargers are going to put, hey, it's a good conversation. Dan, who, who would you put your money on to win the MVP? Herbert or Jalen? Jalen. Me? I would. I wouldn't put it on Justin Herbert. Is Justin Herbert going to outduel Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game? I don't know. Is Jalen going to outduel Dak? That's a coin flip. Is he going to outduel everyone else in the NFC? Yeah. Yeah. See, we talk, we talk straight here with you. I'm not. I'm trying to be as level-headed and level-keeled here as possible. It's not ripping. It, it, it's more where you are in your career. The only reason that you're not looking at, and the writers are not looking at Jalen Hurts more as a perennial MVP-type candidate is because he hasn't done it long enough. That's it. That's it. You guys are rushing it. Like you're trying to rush your defense. You guys are rushing it. Relax. Like like Tone said, let's get the season going here. See how it goes. Because I'll tell you what, if that guy falls short of the NFC title game, you got a long fall off that mountain. And you're going to be highly disappointed. I'm not. Because this is a process winning one of these trophies. Eagles found that out last year. Shit, they had a better roster than 17 and still lost. What was fluky? The 17 Super Bowl or the 2022 Super Bowl appearance? 17. 17 was fluky. Lose your starting quarterback, your MVP candidate, and you still win the damn thing? Come on. That's fluky. That's, you'll always remember that Eagle team because they did something Really, nobody else outside of maybe the Giants back in 90 when they had Jeff Hostetler. Okay? Beat the GOAT. whole thing was crazy. Case Keenum, I think it was, right? Case Keenum, Nick Foles in your conference title game? Wow. <laughs> okay. 
Hurts is fool's gold. I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Okay? By the way, I love now how everyone's sitting there going. So look, you see a guy like um, Hollywood would go, 17 wasn't a fluke. Really? So after once went down, you were confident you were winning the Super Bowl? Hmm. Interesting. That'd be like Kansas City saying, if Mahomes goes down, hey, we're still going to win the Super Bowl. Remember, he was also ranked third by the players as one of the top or one of the top players in the league. He finished second in the MVP that year. He won the Burt Bell Award that year. He won an MVP award, and Jalen played the same amount, played more games than him. That shows you how good Wentz played that year in 17. Let's go to something else over here. So the athletic kind of thinks highly of Jalen, but not really. They don't look at him as the best 25 and under player at his position. They, they look at Justin Herbert. That's not me. Would I take, hey, is Herbert? I think Herbert's intangibles are nowhere near Jalen's. But see, they don't really cover the Eagles. Do they? T-Views go, we don't care. Yeah, you do. You care how people view Hurts. Yeah, you do. Or you wouldn't battle me every day. Yeah, you do. And I would too. And I would too. Okay? And I would too. We were very close to getting there again in 18. Maniac, um, were you 9-7 and seven that year or 10-6? and six? What was the record in um, – yeah, you were. You're right. The Alshon Jeffries dropping in New Orleans. Yes. Maybe not the same record. That's right, Maniac. In 18, if Jeffries catches that pass in New Orleans, you're in the NFC title game again. And Foles would have put another team in a conference championship. Yes, you're right. You're right. May not have been the same record, but you're right. You were a catch away from going to the conference title game. Yes, sir. You're right, Maniac. You're right. Herbert is Marino in the 2020s. That's a pretty damn good comparison. That's a damn good comparison. So you're telling me the Chargers have Dan Marino? Dan Marino's one of the top five passers in the history of the sport. You know that, right, Roland? He's one of the top five passers in pro football history. Huh. So you're calling that guy in, in Los Angeles Dan Marino. So you think Jalen Hurts is better than Dan Marino. Interesting. <laughs> By the way, that wasn't my comparison. All right. I think we've made it very clear. I think we've made it very clear that I don't have a problem at all with the offense. I think the offense is going to be outstanding. Outstanding this year. 
My problems with your defense. Where would you guys rank the Eagle defense heading into week one against the Patriots 11 days away? Just, just for conversation here, where, where, where would you rank them? Top 15? 20th? They're not 32nd. Middle of the pack, 15, 16. Wow. Top five, there we go. Need you five star. How do we know? Oh, because of the lack of experience. Top seven, Brian says. 12. All right. So what I did was, Today, the ringer asked NFL executives, scouts, head coaches, and they put a list together of the top 32 defenses in the National Football League. I'm not going to go through all 32. I'm going to go through the top 10. And then I'm going to give you my top 10 defenses. Okay? And we're going to compare. Your defensive line is not getting 70 sacks this year. The ringer has the Dallas Cowboys as the number one defense in the NFL, according to executives in the league, general managers, and personnel directors. I've been telling you this, that they're one of the top units in the league, and people think that Stephon Gilmore has been a steal. I agree. Do I think on my list, the Big Seals top 10 defenses, do I put the Cowboys number one? No. I have the Jets there. I think the Jets have a formidable D-line, bestie tackle in the sport. In my opinion, I think that kid Quentin Williams could be all as good as Chris Jones. I think he is a great-looking ball player. They got the backers. They got the corners. Again, they got to go do it now. And I like, the, I like the head coach because the head coach, is, there's no coincidence that the Jets have the personnel they have on that side of the ball now because the head coach, Robert Saylor, is, is, is a defensive-minded guy. But the ringer has the Cowboys as the number one defense. And people at the ringer asked all these NFL personnel directors, who do you think has the number one defense in the NFL? They said the Cowboys. Scott goes, the line, linebacking core for the Cowboys is mediocre. Well, what is yours? They have the Jets number two. I have the Cowboys number two. I got the Cowboys there. Their safeties, their entire back lot is better than you. From one corner to the other corner, including safeties, they're better than you. They got the Cleveland Browns at number three. That's a good-looking defense. I think people are sleeping on the Browns. I think the Browns are good. 
I think people are sleeping on the Browns. You got a Hall of Fame edge rusher. You got some really good looking people in the secondary. Man, I like them. I got the 49ers number three. Top safety. What you love about the Niner defense? Top safety, top linebacker, Hardgraves in the middle, not the greatest run stopper, but with Armstead, that's pretty formidable. Look at how strong they are up the middle and how weak you are compared to the Niners. You can't compare to San Francisco up the middle. Yet, yet, that could change on the play of Jalen Carter and Nicobe. But right now, heading into the season, you don't compare to them. They're stronger. And on the edge, I think you're more versatile on the edge than San Francisco. Okay, if Grant gives you seven, Sweat gives you 12, Reddick gives you 12, I mean, is San Francisco, where's San Francisco getting their other sacks from? And San Francisco did a great job in the NFC title game against the Eagle offense. Awesome job. Held you under 270 yards in total offense. And quite frankly, had no right even being in in that game. Short fields. I mean, that offense on that side of the ball with San Francisco is totally what lost that game. If they would have had any kind of offense, they'd probably win that game. They held the Eagles to the lowest offensive output the entire season. 263 yards, or 268, I think it was. I thought they were great in that game for as long as they could. And then people will throw up 31-7, right. Agreed. Totally. Short fields, no offense. You had no shot at winning that game. When Purdy went out and gained, what was it, the second play of the game? It was over. Brian, they held you to the least amount of yards than any team that you played, including the Chiefs. Did they not? I mean, I wouldn't say Hurts was great in that game. I wouldn't say anybody on offense was great in that game. They got the Panthers, number five, the ringer. The Panthers. Brian Burns is a really good-looking football player. Their backers are good. You know what, too? They're big. They're big up front. That's a big group up front. Um, But the Panthers haven't done shit. And the ringer, well, actually, again, it's not sports writers. It's executives in the NFL think that the Panthers have the fifth best talent in the league on defense. That's more what this is. Heading into the start of the season, they think the Panthers have the fifth best personnel on defense. I think they're decent. Fifth? I got the Bills here. Now, I do think that the Bills are going to look a lot different without Von Miller on it. He's on the pup list, I think four games, right? 
he can't play for the first four games, shoot. They were a different-looking unit last year without having him in there rushing the passer. I thought they gave up more passing yards, and I think they gave up more in screen plays after Vaughn Miller was knocked out of that. They were a different-looking team. I want to see how the Bills are going to overcome that. Okay? But I, I think they're a good group, and I like Sean McDermott being the coordinator now. You are completely right about the NFC title game. Thank you, Hollywood. Hollywood. Once again, though, too, you got to remember something on what the Eagles did. They took full advantage of every opportunity they had to win a ball game. They did everything right, the Eagles. Everything right. Even when the Niners did a great job on defense against them. They had short fields. They didn't have to really put a lot of offense up. Most of the time, they got the ball on the 50. You were playing an arena football league game. You're not going to compile a lot of numbers when you're doing that and when you have massive turnovers. And again, there was a football play made by Reddick. I'm not, I don't subscribe to, hey, well, you know, if you have your starter, well, hey, you know, the game's probably closer, but you know, what the hell? Ifs, ands, buts, maybes, I hate that shit. I got the Bills fifth. They got the Panthers fifth in personnel. Or league executives do. They have the Bills sixth. I have the Steelers sixth. I think the Steelers are good. I I think another team that could surprise some people this year will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to... I, You know what? Should I be saying that with Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin, if I had to play for one coach in today's NFL, I would love to play for Mike Tomlin. That's the guy I'd want to play for. If, if, I, if I had to pick one dude, Sills, who would you want to play for? Mike Tomlin. I'd want to play for him. That guy puts everybody on blast. Your respect comes from your paycheck and how you act on the team. I like that. I love I loved Mike Tomlin. I do. It's been bumpy the last decade for him in the postseason, but I do love him. They got the Steelers seventh. I got the Steelers sixth, and I got the Panthers seventh. Eighth, I got the Patriots. Team you're facing week one. The ringer asking all the NFL executives and personnel people, have the Patriots eighth. So you're going against the top 10 defense in week one. That'll be an interesting battle. So this thing's going to come again. Remember this. You got, according to some in the league, eighth best defense versus the second or first, whatever your taste is, best offense. Could that be a kind of a push? You're not going to run the Patriots over. You're not. Okay? You're not going to beat the Patriots defense up. So it's going to come down to defense and special teams. Huh. Defense and special teams. The ringer has the Ravens ninth. 
I got the Bucks ninth. The Ringer has the Bucks tenth. I have the Saints tenth. I think the Saints have a good defense. Do you know what the Ringer has the Eagle defense? Now, again, you got to remember, it's not sports writers. They asked all the top general managers, every general manager, head of pro scouting, college scouting, player development people. This was a survey. They got the Eagle defense ranked 16th. So you had the second best, my opinion, or hey, first best offense in the 16th middle of the road defense going into the season, according to some. Doesn't that usually translate into a 50% win record or like 10 and 7? When your defense is not as potent as your offense? Now, is there room for growth on the defensive side? Yes, sir, there is. Brian, why would you say that that's crazy that NFL executives look at the Eagles as the 16th best defense when it comes to personnel heading into the season? Where do you have the advantages over these other teams? You could say whatever you want about Sauce Gardner having to do it again. At least he's done it once. I can name you four guys on your defense that haven't done it any time. I, I, I give you that. Hey, could Gardner be another lockdown corner year? I'd like to see that too. But shit, I just want to see N'Kobe Dean if he can play. I mean, Chiefs were ranked 16th last year. But they got Mahomes. You can be the 16th ranked defense. Remember something, the Eagles were one of the top. Hey, um, what were the Eagles ranked last year in offense? Eagles, right now, were ranked second in defense. So you had a second-ranked defense in the National Football League. What was your offense ranked? Fourth? So you had the fourth-best offense, the second-best defense, and you couldn't beat a team that had the 16th-worst defense in the league. What's the problem here? Mahomes, top-flight quarterbacks. It's been a struggle two years in Philly against those. From what I'm understanding, personnel people around the league go, they struggle against the big-time quarterbacks. And people will point out, well, we beat Rodgers last year. Man, I can name you 10 guys that ran you over in the last two years. Even Dak. So, how do I look at this? And by the way, I didn't say, do I think the Eagles are the 16th ranked defense in the league? No. I'd probably put them somewhere around 12. I'd feel comfortable with 12. Okay? I'd be comfortable with 12. Hey, could I say this about the Eagle defense? Okay, can I say this? Sills, could you see the Eagle defense being around 7th or 8th by the end of the year? 
yeah, if Carter plays like we think, Dean stays healthy, you get to play in the secondary like you're hoping. Watch this. You hope that you get really good play from Davis and Carter. You hope you get really good play from Dean. You hope you really get good play from your safeties. And you're hoping that Slay's not out of gas. Questions. Not that there's not questions on other teams. Again, we're being and having a conversation of straight talk here. I'm not trying to sit here and cheerlead for you. Do I think there's more upside for this group on defense for the Eagles than I did a year ago? So you think this team, this team this year, and this defense this year has a chance to get 75 sacks. Do you think that? And have a guy lead the NFL in interceptions. The important thing is the defense has its ducks in a row. Came playoff time. Last thing we want is for them to peak early. Okay? Yeah, but people will lose their patience early like they did with Sirianni when people in Philly were going, this guy's an idiot. Started with the press conference. Go back and listen to people and go back to see how people flipped after the two and five start. Goofing on the guy planting the flowers and all that bullshit. Go back and listen to yourselves. Go back and listen. Try to have muscle memory when you have that, when you're talking about how you thought of Sirianni and that coach when he was hired and you were two and five and you looked like dog shit. Okay, now all of a sudden, they took the play calling duties away from him, created the RPO offense for Jalen Hurts. They basically told Sirianni, get out of the way. Did they not? They told Sirianni, get out of the way. Let's have Steichen run this offense here with Jalen, and we'll put an RPO in. What in the world would Nick Sirianni know about an RPO offense? He's never coached a guy like that in his life. Look at his resume. Know who he coached. Know the history of your own position coaches. You know why I like the potential on this Eagle team more than I did the Eagle team last year in their D-line? It's because Rockers coached just about every guy that's on that defense that you've brought in new. You know what? You know how good that is? Do you know how good that is that Tracy Wright? Let, let me show you how far ahead and further ahead you are with these young players compared to the veteran players you had a year ago. When Tracy Rocker says to Jordan Davis, and I'm not saying he talks like this to him, but when he says something like, shut the F up, it's not coming from a place of destruction. He knows the player. Shit, Tracy Rocker knows Jordan Davis. And Jalen Carter, probably five, six years now. He wishes nothing but the greatest success for him, and he's going to do everything in his power to put him in a position to be successful because if they're successful, he's successful. And that's how he keeps his gig. Tracy can't go out and be the Outland Lombardi Trophy winner that he was at Auburn. So he's got to have those guys pan out and play out. So he's, he's not going to shit on them. 
but he already knows who they are, their weaknesses and strengths. He already knows. You know how much time that takes to get to know a player before you can start pushing buttons? That's why some people and some coaches don't get it done, like Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly thinks he could just go shit on LaShawn McCoy because he's the head coach. That's not how you coach kids. Some people can be shit on, kicked. Some kids need to be hit with a flower, not a shovel. Some kids need to be coached with a sledgehammer. Some a feather. Jalen Hurts, I only have to coach Jalen Hurts with a feather. I don't have to hit the guy over the head for him to understand what's up. Sometimes a guy like me, sit the F down and shut your mouth. I've had that said to me. I've thrown my helmet across the field. And I had Butch Davis say, you ever do that again, you won't play for months. They'll be sending a scout team out looking for you if you ever do that shit again. I know Butch was just trying to be my friend and my coach and guide me. Okay? All right? Brian, I was a sledgehammer too. I think you turn around, Troy Aikman was a feather. Michael Irvin was a sledgehammer. You had to hit Mike in the head. And you know what you also had to do to Mike Irvin? You had to take the game from him. You know how you got the... You, you know what coaching is? You know the problem that you have? Finding players in today's NFL is a joke. Taking the game from them hurts. Man, you can find me all you want. Don't take the game from me. It's my first and only love. Okay? Don't take the game from me. That's coaching. Tracy's so far ahead. He's so far ahead. Do I think this team has a chance to get 70 sacks this year? Not this year, maybe next year. You, you see, you got to look at something here. And see, this is when fans like Tone are great and everyone else. Sales, one title, 30 years. Man, this thing's a process. And it's a slow process. It's like playing a round of golf. You know why I can't play golf anymore? Because I can't waste three and a half hours of my life sitting around chasing a white ball. I, I just can't do that. I have no patience for that shit. I'd rather go putt-putt, get it over with in 40 minutes and go home. I can't do that shit anymore. I can't sit still like that for three hours doing nothing. But chasing a golf ball around? My God almighty. I, I don't have the attention span for that shit. I just don't. I used to be really good at it too, but then I realized I had a life and I had to grow up. You know? Sills couldn't walk the course. What made you think I did anytime? I had a golf cart. I put two of them in a lake, but it's a different day for that. What's wrong with the white ball? I think it's racist. That's why I never used one. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. Uh, I'm kidding, man. Eagles lost to Mahomes and a group of wide receivers, uh, strippers. Yeah, well, guess what? That guy's going to beat a lot of teams with a lot of strippers. B. 
because he's that good. Okay? Nah, I'm not doing the golf cart thing. If I run deep, yes, 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 Ray. Ray, the only reason that these executives around the league are not high on the Eagle defense this year, it's not because they don't have, hey, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say this about the Eagle personnel. It's not good. Have you? By the way, Tone, always correct me from now on if I say I think the Eagle defense and their personnel aren't good. I just think they're not experienced yet. And it's 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 not with a bunch of veteran guys. Look here. How many people think that you have a deeper defensive interior defense this year than you do a year ago? So you think you're better than Javon Hardgrave, Fletcher Cox, Adama Kitsu, Linville Joseph, and Milton Williams and Jordan Davis of a year ago. You think you're better this year? Yes or no? You think you're better? Do you think you're better than last year's group? I heard a guy today on Sports Take say he thinks the deeper. You really believe that you're deeper this year in the interior defensive line than you were a year ago? Forte goes, Carter's scary. I agree. Let's play it down first. Look at, look at Josh. Josh thinks he's better this year with a guy who underachieved a year ago, another guy who hasn't played. Milton Williams now gets moved up into the Sue and Joseph roles. And you think you're better? Hey, I think Milton's good. I do too. But look where Milton Williams was and where he was in the rotation last year. You had two hogs in there. And Adamic and Sue and Linville Joseph. I have yet to see anybody outside of Fletcher Cox. By the way, Fletcher Cox got better, not because of Jordan Davis. He got better because they added Sue and Joseph. Okay. We were more top heavy last year. I think we are deeper at this point in the season. Remember how we had to go find Sue and Joseph comparing where both teams were on August 30th. I would say the Eagles are deeper and less top heavy with guys who haven't played. And you're going off a Georgia tape and Jordan Davis tape of 2022 and you're deeper. Okay. You're going off a Georgia tape and organized team practices in a few scrimmages and a few reps in an exhibition game to say that. 11 days. 11 days. Like Tone says, I can't wait for the season to start. So we could shut your mouth up, Sills. <laughs> hey, I want to make sure we underline this. I think the kid Carter is going to be special. I totally think he's going to be special. 
let me ask you this. I'm, I, I, I have a Hurts question. It's not a slam. It's really – I think the only people that could answer this question are people who have been listening to the show and have watched this development. And it's a really vanilla question. Okay? Hey, don't forget next week. On Tuesday, we're going to start doing giveaways. You're going to be able to win merchandise, and we're going to give you a shot to win some giveaways with Hooters in one of the seven locations in the Northeast area. You can go to northeasthooters.com to find that location nearest you. We're going to be doing so much stuff. When it comes to the King of Prussia Hooters, I cannot wait. Thank you so much, Hooters. Our great relationship, and now this year we get to celebrate with you guys the 40th anniversary of one of the great restaurant chains in the entire country. Started in Clearwater, Florida in 1983 with my friend Ed Drotsky. Now we have seven locations in the Northeast area. The iconic Hooter girls are going to be there to serve you. Listen, if you're looking to get your fantasy draft parties together, make sure you call ahead. I know there's a couple days left before people want to get that done. Please do that. Tuesdays, you buy 10 wings. You get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, one of the great 40-year traditions that you have at Hooters. 1983, all-you-can-eat, kids eat for free on Saturdays. Six items, six bucks, put it together. Try the fried pickles, one of the legendary items that you have there on the menu. Try the steamers, too. They're spectacular. They always have great steamers there. Some of your favorite brews, do me a favor. When you go to any one of the Hooters, by the way, log on, northeasthooters.com to find that location nearest you. And when you walk into Hooters, do me a favor. You tell them Big Sill sent you. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 
58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Big Seals National Football Show. We appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you again. Big week of college football. So, Tony Syracuse from the last word on college football will join us at 5.30 Eastern. Big week. All the games this weekend, college football, no pro games. Next week, we get you kicked off with all the NFL action. So, we'll talk to our friend. I can't wait to see what Deion Sanders does. Deion Sanders will never win a national championship at Colorado. Do you know why? Why do you guys think Deion Sanders will never win a national title at Colorado? Colorado now moving to the Big 12. Why do you think he'll never? He will never win to the level he wants to win. Why do you think he's not going to win there? Okay. Ishmael goes that Dion's going to have Colorado balling because no one wants to play for the Buffaloes. I disagree with that. Can I tell you why? Dion one day is going to be the head football coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He's going to be the coach of the Falcons. I think the NFL is going to come knocking. Every single thing that guy does wins. I've known Deion Sanders since he was 16 years old. I have never been around a guy who I have seen everything, everything he touches, he's a winner at. Deion Sanders, for him, for Shane Steichen and guys like Jonathan Gannon, for limited coaching experience to get head coaching jobs, I feel more comfortable handing the reins of an NFL football team over to Deion Sanders than I do to Shane Steichen or Jonathan Gannon. Who do you feel more comfortable with? Who do you feel more comfortable with handing the keys of an NFL franchise over to? Jonathan Gannon or Deion Sanders? Deion gets the greatest assistant coaches. He gets former players who want to work for him. He makes guys want to leave programs to want to go play for him. Why is that? He's genuine and he's honest. And he tells you who you are. You guys won one game here last year. You guys can hit the portal all you want now. Go ahead. Most of you should be hitting the portal because you ain't going to be here. They were handing out scholarships at Colorado like they were library passes. Dude, when you get a scholarship at a big-time program, they're one-year renewable deals, which means this. you got to do your part every year. There's Now, some programs are going on these four-year scholarship deals. 
Okay, I think that's a mistake. I would never give a kid a four-year scholarship, including Arch Manning. I'm not doing any of that shit. You got to prove it to me every year. Players are overrated. They prove it every year. They're overrated. You're going to sign more players that are overrated than superstars. Why would I give you a four-year scholarship to be a turd on my team? After a while, all you're doing is collecting turds, not stars. I think Dion's going to be a hell of an NFL head coach one day. I hope somebody like Atlanta hires him. Somebody in the NFL gives him a shot. Had to take the Colorado job because he couldn't get the Auburn job because they gave it to that puke Hugh Freeze instead at Auburn. I'm not going to go crazy with it and go into race and shit, but come on. What, the Auburn alumni didn't want to have a black face as the head coach of Auburn? Aren't you above this now? I mean, really? It's 2023. Don't you want to win? Can you imagine Dion with the Auburn badge instead of the Colorado badge? Walking into a kid's room? I'm the head coach of Auburn. Wow, okay. I'm the head coach of Colorado. Where's that? Oh, it's out west somewhere? Is that like Colorado State or University of Colorado? When's the last time you guys were good? Auburn. Didn't Cam Newton play there? Yeah. Didn't you win a national title a couple years ago? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine Dion with that badge? Instead, they gave it to that piece of turd, Hugh Freeze. He'll probably do a good job because he's shady as hell anyway. He'll get it done. It'll be all under the table. But Dion's got to do it the hard way because he's a one-of. He's changing the entire room up there. People cannot. Hey, you know what's crazy? Everyone in here, Dion's talking to his team like I talked to you guys. You ain't good enough. You need to get in the portal. You have lost your scholarship. You are not who you think you are. I'm getting five guys to replace every one of you guys. Can you imagine telling a kid that shit? And hearing the truth for the first time in four years when you're in school? Damn, my coaches have been telling me I'm good. You won one game. You won one game. He ain't coaching FSU, Ronald. That kid Norvell has done a job like he did at Memphis. They could win the national title this year. They could upset Clemson for the ACC. That's why we're going to talk to our friend Tony Saracusa at 530. Um, before we get into Jalen Hurts here, I want to say something about Howie Roseman and the Eagles and the culture in your building, how it's changed. You know, I won't lie to you. When Howie was stuck in the broom closet by the owner of the Eagles, I thought he was stuck in the room because he wasn't very good on personnel decisions and evaluating a talent in the draft. But I heard him say something at the press conference yesterday that gave me so much hope on how he's changed his way of looking at shit. He is so much better now. Would you guys agree with me that Howie, that experience 
of being fired and then rehired for the same gig was the greatest thing ever to happen to him. Would you guys agree to that? Him having hit, you know what? I just got through telling you guys, you want to, you want to affect the player, take the game from him. Jeffrey Lurie took the game away from Howie. Did he not? He took the game away from him. His decisions didn't matter. His opinions didn't matter. Nobody was listening to him. I mean, no, nobody cared what he was saying. All of a sudden, he gets a reprieve. And I heard something yesterday at the press conference that shows you his growth as a GM. He was asked a question about Isaiah Rogers. Isaiah Rogers is not going to play on the Eagles in 2023 because of the gambling violation. Kid they signed from the Colts. Howie, why'd you sign him? Well, I believe everyone deserves a second chance. Like he got. The greatest lesson was given by the owner. He gave Howie a second chance. And now it's reflecting on his roster. Hassan Reddick got a second chance. Darius Slay got a second chance. James Bradbury got a second chance. Zach Cunningham got a second chance. I was like, wow. If I'm a free agent and I've been fired at a place like Minnesota or Tennessee or wherever, and he picks the phone up and calls me, I'm going to believe that that general manager is going to give me an opportunity to resurrect my career and get my career kickstarted again because I'm getting a ch second chance in Philly. You know, it's one thing to sign Trey Lance and trade for Trey Lance in Dallas. That's not a genuine second chance. That's just changing your zip code. When you go to Philly, do you think there's any coincidence every guy he signed last year got a pay raise, whether it was in Philly or somewhere else? Okay. Don't you think there's a coincidence to that? Boy, I believe everybody deserves a second chance. And a gambling violation that the league is really coming down on these players hard on, the Eagles signed a guy. This is what makes me think Matt Ariz is not off the table. So you sign a guy where you, you got to admit the league is making, hey, the league is almost going overboard, aren't they, with the players on how to conduct themselves when it comes to gaming. I believe in a second chance. Do you think he threw that out? Now, look, I'm a conspiracy guy. You guys know I'm a conspiracy guy. Do you think he's setting the table to work out matterism with that comment? Does he believe in a second chance for matterism? Tone? Anyone? He went like out of his way to say that. I believe in guys deserve a second chance. 
Why wouldn't you give a Rizzo a workout then? You don't have to sign him. Work him out. I guarantee you. You know why more teams? Hey, can I tell you why teams haven't worked him out? I have a conspiracy theory on that too. Okay? I don't know what the rest of the league is waiting on with that kid. Do you think it's something? No. Tone. We're falling into the trap again of the guy being convicted in social media and in the court of public opinion when the kid was exonerated by the courts. We're falling in that line again by adding some narrative that doesn't exist, that there's something else out there. The civil suit is for $50,000. This is not a $5 million civil suit. And he countered against them, and he's actually suing the university for tarnishing his name. Okay? In San Diego, it's all over the news, and it's on the news every day. Even a district attorney saying, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Can I tell you what I think it is, why no one's worked them out? Because when you do, you're going to sign them. Do you know the punts that he was doing in Buffalo prior to him being released? He was averaging 47 yards a kick, and Buffalo was going, oh, my God. The Bills couldn't believe what they were seeing. If you bring him in, you're signing him. You can't let him just walk out the building. He's too good. I would say that Matt Ariz is probably better than 60% of the punters in the NFL right now. But you bring him in, you got to start dealing with the conversation Because we know this, the court of public opinion, when you're convicted in the court of public opinion, it's worse than being convicted in a court of law. Am I wrong? If the court of public opinion convicts you, no matter if you have the truth on your side, it's irrelevant. You're guilty. It's how people see it today. Well, just like what Tone said, well, there has to be something else. Does there? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a you thing. Why does it have to be on the kid again? Look, if there's the charges that this guy was accused of, this guy should be electrocuted. Not put in jail. I got a daughter too. But he's exonerated? I feel horrible for the kid. And like Howie says, everybody deserves a second chance. Don't they? We don't need to come up with a narrative. Well, there has to be something else. (laughs) What would that be? Well, there's something else out there. Maybe he raped someone else. Is that what you're saying? Well, maybe the authorities have more intel on them. That's not what they're saying. Well, maybe he's not that good. That's not the case. I'll I'll give you guys a little insight. If he can't find a home this year, the Rocks already cleared him to play in the XFL. So if he doesn't play in the NFL this year, he will be punting in the XFL. 
I already know this. The XFL has cleared them. So people are going to get a chance to see him either this year or next year. So you're going to sign a lesser guy because of fear. Everybody deserves a second chance. And by the way, the Eagles gave Michael Vick a second chance. Jalen Carter a second chance. I admire that. I totally admire that. You know why? They don't listen to the outside noise. They look at the content of the character of the individual. And they have to look you in the eye and believe in you. That, I mean, that's that's an eyeball thing. I don't think you could call a guy and talk to him on the phone and figure out whether or not he's got character. I think you got to look a guy in the eyeballs and you got to look a guy in the mirrors and you got to see it in his eyes that he's... I, how many times have you looked somebody in the eye and you know he's a bullshit artist and he's telling you one thing and you know quite... For fact, you know something completely different about the guy, the way he carries himself and constructs and conducts himself. Okay? Brian goes like this. If you're a Christian, you believe in second chances. Don't kid yourself, Brian. People believe in rehabilitation. They say they do, but they don't. Okay? Do your time. You should be able to get a second chance in life. You make a mistake in life, you go to prison for it, you do your time, you should have an opportunity at the brass ring yourself. I believe that. Or why the hell have jails? Just kill everyone. Okay. Big sales, Miami stinks. Hasn't been good in 20 years, has it? To be fair, Tony Dungy vouched for him. He did. I was there. I was there breaking your Philadelphia Eagle news. Yeah, don't kid yourself, Brian. I know plenty of people who have selective morality. <laughs> I was, hey, actually I was in the room when Michael Vick was signed by Andy Reid. When Tom Shaw called me, Sills, Reed's here with Joe Banner. You better get over here. Crawford Kirk called me, Sills. The Eagles were signing Vic. It was one of the great stories that I broke. I was the first man to break the story that Michael Vick was signed by the Philadelphia Eagles. I had it at 11 a.m. in the morning, Tone. Google it. Dan Cilio, the first person to report on Michael Vick signing with the Eagles. WDAE, Tampa. You know how I knew this? Tom Shaw. The great strength and conditioning coach was working him out. Tony Dungy had set it up. Jeffrey Laurie came down. The whole Eagle Brass is in the room. Tony goes like this. Dan's good. Tom Shaw goes, Cilio's good. He won't say nothing until I give him the clear. They worked him out. They gave him a physical. I watched him sign the Philadelphia Eagle contract. I watched him sign it. I knew it at 11 a.m. And then I think around 3 p.m., 
4 p.m. I was eating dinner and I finally I, I got the clearance. It was right before Monday Night Football. And I went like this. The Eagles have signed. I went on the air. The Eagles have signed Michael Vick to a contract. Everyone's like, well, I even, hey, even the president of ESPN called me and said, great scoop. Oh, yeah. I was, that was one of my better ones, man. And then the other one was when RG3 was not going to be re-signed by the Washington Redskins at the time. Bruce Allen came on my show in San Diego, Mighty 1090, and he uh, delivered that news that RG3 was not going to be re-signed in Washington. And I was like, oh, that he wouldn't even go on the local radio because he hated those guys so bad. He came on my show on the West Coast to break that news that RG3 wasn't going to be resigned, that they were going to let him walk. So, yeah. How many guys lost their career or chance of making a good living over race or someone taking a shit or something like not liking them? Oh, Ronald, it used to happen all the time. That's why the new coordinators in the NFL today are better. Nobody gives a shit if you're black or white. They care you can win games. More black quarterbacks, in my opinion, from the 80s and 70s were not given the opportunity because you had white coordinators who had one way of doing shit, and most college programs wanted white faces representing the programs, and those were the guys in the pools they picked from. So if you were great in college, like Tommy Frazier, or you were great um, early on, like um, Conrich Holloway, you guys remember that name, Conrad Holloway, Tennessee? Uh, guys like that who had to go, or Warren Moon. You, you had to figure out different positions to play. You had to go to Canada. And then you had to, you know, not get drafted high. That's not happening any longer. That's, that's, that's not happening now. You're looking for the best kid to move the sticks. I do believe back in the day they had a black and white depth chart. Today... I think guys are looking at it like this. Who's the best guy I got? <laughs> because your ass is on their line. Okay, if I'm a, if I'm a GM, well, I'm going to take this white guy over to black. Well, that, you ain't going to be around long. I'm going to take, does this guy give me the best chance to win? I don't care if he's green, orange, or blue. Does this guy give me the, T. Martin, another great. You know, T. Martin's the guy that won the national championship in Tennessee with Phil Fulmer. It wasn't Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was 0-4 versus the Gators. You know, people look around and go, yeah, well, you know, the Tennessee Volunteers won a national title back in Fulmer's day. They always assume it was with Manning. Manning never won the title. It was T. Martin. I think T. Martin's a coordinator somewhere. Hey, Ray, where is um, where is uh, T. Martin's a coordinator or a quarterback coach? Is he in Baltimore? T. Martin could be in Baltimore. As a coordinator, why, why, why do I say Baltimore? Anyway, I'm going to get to Jalen Hurts here in a minute. Is it Baltimore that he's, 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 uh, um, is, is. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Maybe he's not the coordinator, but maybe he's like the quarterback coach there. Ravens QB coach. Okay, Ray, thanks. I love T. Martin. I mean, him became friends when he was the offensive coordinator uh, at USC. I like him, man. Giovanni Carmazzi. That's Trey Lance. Giovanni Carmazzi. Oh, my God. Anyway, all right. I got to – I want – listen. Help me on this. Why isn't Hertz looked at? It's a vanilla question, but help me here. Why isn't Jalen Hurts looked at? Not not as a not as a winner, because they people do look at him as a winner. As a guy who can carry a team, that's that's not a good conversation because he carried it. He, he, the year, the first year starting, he was the caboose. This year starting, or last year starting, he was the engine. Last year, he pulled the train. Year before that, the train pulled him. He's just not respected enough. Where does that come from? And do you think it still exists today? And is it stronger? Like, I tried to be fair to Dak yesterday. I think Dak's got a lot on his shoulders. Totally unfair. Like, Jalen has not near the pressure Prescott has. It's Dallas. It's Jerry. Is it the Eagles? No. Well, people respect the Eagles? Well, you should. But do you? Is, I think the Philadelphia Eagles and the fan base, like Buffalo, all he's just not looked Dude, even, what's it? Even the athletic, with all the MVP voters, they think Justin Herbert's better. I think he's a better talent. That basically tells me there that you had to build your team with a 25 and under quarterback. You take Herbert over Hertz. I think there's here. I think there's more work you'd have to do under Jalen. Maybe that's it. I think Jalen Hurts being on the Philadelphia Eagles hurts him. And the perception. It's crazy, isn't it? I think him having all that talent around him hurts him. You revere Brady more because Brady did it with nobody. Mahomes did it with nobody. Now Brady again, the Tampa one's different. Right? Why do you, why do you look at Jalen in a different light? Is it a second round? 
I don't think the transfer has anything to do with it. Get, get this. Who do you think the NFL respects more right now or or is looking – you think people look at Brock Purdy and already people are going like this with Brock Purdy with seven wins. This guy's a franchise quarterback. Look at, look at, look at Purdy, man. He's a franchise guy. You're like, he's had seven starts. People have like almost more respect for Brock Purdy than they do Jalen Hurts, who finished second in the MVP last year. Why is that? Is it the voters? The media? Look, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you about some of the things that I've seen with Hurts and his development and how he's developed into being where he is. I've been shocked, surprised. Maybe I think this is where it comes from. Joshua, maybe it's not by, it's maybe, maybe it just comes from this. Those other guys had high expectations, and many of those guys have gone in. Justin Herbert, I tell you what, Justin Herbert, I didn't think Justin Herbert was going to throw the ball the way he did in the NFL. He didn't throw the ball like that at Oregon. He didn't throw the ball like that with Mario Cristobal. He came into the NFL, man, and he's thrown it. He, he is like the modern-day Dan Marino. You, you look at Justin Herbert, you're like, holy shit, that guy can wing it. I mean, and he kind of elevated his expectations. Look at Lamar Jackson. See, Lamar was a 32nd player taken. He still is a first-round draft choice, but he's exceeded expectations. Okay? Mahomes exceeded expectations, and he was a first-rounder. Maybe it's because these guys have all lived up to their first-round billing. And you look at Jalen, he's a second-rounder, and you look at him as an overachiever. I think people look at Dak Prescott as an overachiever. I don't think they'll look at Dak Prescott as a top-flight guy in the league. Right? It's almost like the stigma. If you're not drafted in the first round, I don't know how Russell Wilson shook that off. Maybe because he won a Super Bowl and he went to two of them. Because he was a third-rounder. But if you're not drafted in the first round, I don't even know if it has anything to do with him losing his job at Alabama. I think it's got everything to do with he had limited expectations on him coming into the NFL. Now they're looking at him as an overachiever. Usually when you look at overachievers, you're not like, – like here, when it comes to Purdy and Hurts, Purdy wasn't even drafted in the fifth round and gets more grace than Hurts. Absolutely gets more grace. More, I think it's got a lot to do with the coach too. Part of me feels like it's a reason that I hate to even consider, and I'm not even that guy, but I'll leave it there. Tone, that, that's hard for me because I'll tell you why, Tone, that's hard for me. Now some people will always take percentages of what I say because, you know, one of the very few shows that always goes down there and and, it, and tackles what Tone is alluding to. Is it because he's a white face? Jalen's black face? Man, I sure hope. You know what? You know what, Tone? I'm going to go here. You know, man. Do I think black athletes have to do it 
better and longer? And do I think they have to work harder and prove themselves more? Yes. Are they covered differently than white athletes? Yes. Unfortunately, I still believe that that be the truth because as a football guy, I don't care what you are, gay, black, white, if you can catch footballs or if you can, I don't care what you are. So it's hard for me, having been in a situation where I was the minority guy, I played with a ton of black guys. I'm like the only white guy on the D-line. Never affected me because I never thought about it. I, and when you're an athlete, that shit doesn't, aff- doesn't like have any bearing on you. But then when you look at it through other people's prisms and you go like this. Uh, here, and, and to Tone's point, well, we're really in some area here, aren't we? You think there's more pressure on Dak Prescott than there ever was on Tony Romo? Ed Sills was the only Italian. Okay. You think the media shits on Dak Prescott more than they did Tony Romo? Pretty much the same record. Pretty much the same guy. Doesn't Dak seemingly get more hammered than, than what Romo did? Shit, Romo's one of the lead analysts on one of the networks. You think Dak's going to get that job? I don't think so. Is there a lead analyst now on any of the networks that are black quarterbacks? Aikman, Romo. Shit, they even got Kirk Herbstreit Thursday night. Sunday night's Collinsworth. It's probably just me and Tone, right, Tone? (laughs) Hey, hey, I never looked at it that way, but I'm going to jump out of that. Okay, hey, I I never looked at it that way, but... Sales media doesn't give Eagles players credit they deserve. You don't think they gave Reggie White his kudos? Maybe it was because it was too difficult not to when you're watching the guy destroy a team the way he did, right? We won a Super Bowl while Dak was Dallas quarterback and almost won a second. Yeah, and the Cowboys are covered more. Collinsworth was a receiver, yet you're a white guy too. They They don't give Reddit credit either. So it could Joshua, it could be a Philly thing too. Absolutely could be a Philly thing. Okay. Richard goes, I wish I could have watched him play. Richard, I want you to think of the strongest human being you've ever seen. Then think of the quickest hands you've ever seen in a boxer like May, like Mayway. Okay, can I tell you who he was like, Richard? Watching Reggie White play was like looking at Shaquille O'Neal with Floyd Mayweather hands and the strength of Andre the Giant. It, I've never, you know, everyone goes, Aaron Donald's. I'm like, no, not him. 
not him. <laughs> Reggie White is by far the most destructive and the greatest defensive lineman I've ever witnessed. I mean, I've never seen a player do things to Larry Allen or some of these other guys and just throw people around like bags of potatoes and trash. And he's just, just, you watched him on film. You did this. You, you had, you had the, you had the clicker. Okay. You had the clicker. You're watching Reggie and you're watching like the Eagles against the uh, giants. If you have to play one of those teams and you have everyone in the room, including your position coach going, good God. And everyone's in there going, Jesus. And you can hear everyone saying it. Good God. Look at his first step. Look at his rip. There's the hump. My God almighty. And everyone tried to hump. You couldn't do it. You're just going. And then that 46 type defense you guys had, you're just doing, look what they do, man. They line up over the center. They tilt the nose. Reggie goes up and down the line and just kills people. Man. Seals, did you pray with Reggie after the game? No, in the offseason. Quan, you know, I told you, Quan, I'm not much of a handshaker. Okay? Not much of a handshaker after games, but I have prayed with Reggie. I'll tell you, hey, do you guys want me to tell you a secret about Reggie before we move on to Howie? I want to go back to Howie here for a second. Um, you want me to tell you a secret? I'll tell you a secret about Reggie. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's the weirdest. It, it, B-Walk, Minister of Defense. Okay. So Jerome invites me up to Philly. And by the way, Keith, Jalen isn't considered a top quarterback because he doesn't have the elite arm strength. Okay. Has nothing to do with color. Mahomes is black, but he has the elite arm strength. Hurts is great at what he does for Philly. Absolutely. He's one of. I would agree. Okay, Seals, who would you rather have in the prime, Reggie White to start your franchise or Tom Brady? Going to take the quarterback just by position. But if you're telling me who the better athlete was, it's Reggie all night. Okay? Reggie would have made a great president. What a great dude. Hey, here's a story. So, Keith Jackson, you guys remember Keith Jackson and Keith Byers? Keith has been on our program, Keith Byers. You guys remember them two dudes? Okay. They, they shared a house with Jerome. Barb, thank you. They shared a house with Jerome, the three of them, right? And Reggie would come over. Sometimes he'd come up. I think he lived in – hey, does this make sense to you guys? Am I right when I say this? He lived in Carolina for some reason. That was the last team he played on. So I think they had a house in Carolina or some shit. I think this is when he was with the Eagles, too. 
maybe it was maybe he lived in Tennessee. I don't know. He was really close to the volunteer program still. Okay. Um the 21 sacks in 12 games. He came over from the USFL. He was a freak show. Charlotte, thank you, Ray. So he comes up. He spends the night at the house. We're all sitting there. We're just getting hammered on Colt 45s and Thunderbird. <laughs> Stupid guys talking shit. Hey, <coughs> Thunderbird, Colt 45s. I won't say anything else, Okay. Reggie goes in to go to sleep, and Jerome goes, you might hear it. And I go, what? He starts talking Latin. In his sleep, he would talk Latin and pray and throw. He doesn't know Latin. He, he doesn't know Latin. And, and Keith, Keith Jackson goes, we, we had a priest listen to it. And he says he's speaking Latin. And we asked Reggie the next day, do you know Latin? He goes, no. He's speaking in the tongues. That's probably better yet. What, what Quan is saying, he's snoring in the tongues. You sit and listen. You're scared because you don't know what he's doing. I'm like, what the hell is that? Jerome goes, he's speaking in tongues. Okay. Barb goes, you must have been a pistol as a youngster. Hey, hey, Barb, what makes you think I'm still not a pistol? <laughs> he, 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 man, hey, drum. I go, what's the tongues? He goes, he's speaking like, um, I was like, holy shit, man. This guy, this guy's from another planet, man. His wife was spectacular, too. I loved her. Great cook, too, man. So everything does come back to the city, considering Broad Street bullies, Philly fans, Charles Barkley. Philly is always looked at as outcast. God, I love that ace. Thank you, 1117. God, I love that. And maybe that's why I love you guys. Me too. I've always been looked at as an outcast, an outlier, black sheep. I've always been. I don't I don't do things like everyone else. That's why people do everything they can, you know. All right, let me let me, before the top of the hour here. Why do you guys it looks like the Jalen Rager experiment is coming to an unfortunate for him ending. And now everyone knows what he is. He's a completely overrated, overhyped wide receiver from TCU that Howie Roseman drafted in the first round before Justin Jefferson. We know the story, but why do you think Howie Roseman failed on, on Jalen Rager? What do you think the what what was the thing that made him fail? Okay. Jalen Rager was a fifth rounder at best, you think? How about this? How many times have you seen Trey guys with first round ability 
first-round ability, but you wouldn't draft him to save your life. I think he's a free agent. Now you look back on it. First-round talent, free agent. Get this. Think of that. First-round talent, free agent ability. It's a contradiction. But then again, the whole Jalen Rager story is contradicted. Seduced by speed? What was the one redeeming quality that Howie liked about him that made him so emphatic to take him in the first round? What was the one intangible that convinced him? What was the one thing that made him want him? Made him... Like, when you watch Jalen Rager play ball at TCU, and I think Des Bryant... No, Des wasn't in the sport any longer. I mean, when you... You you couldn't have seen T.O. in the guy. So what did you see with that guy that made you want him? Yeah, don't forget Whiteside. His ability to pick wide receivers has been atrocious. Then again, the entire organization has not picked good wide receivers. It's just becoming now, you went and traded for one and you drafted, you probably, hey, since 2000, you probably drafted the greatest wide receiver the organization has ever had. Is that fair? Or since 2000? Because Mike Quick was a heck of a ball player. Would we not agree Devontae Smith is probably the greatest first round pick that the Eagles have drafted since 2000. Would that be fair? I think that, what, Deshaun Jackson, wasn't he like a second rounder out of Cal? Right? He was a second rounder out of Cal. But for first rounders, wouldn't you not say him? The rest of those guys, the Jeremy Macklins of the world, and I don't even know if they were first rounders or not. I, I, I don't know. He's probably the best. What is the difference between Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager? Go back. Here was here was here was the um, negatives on Devontae Smith. Too small. He was drinking that night. Thank you, Philly. Too small. Will he be able to withstand the pounding? You know what? The one thing, though, you never question were his hands, his dedication, and desire to be good. Those were all out there. By the way, TCU, I mean, outside the kid from San Diego that was the running back, really, how many skilled guys have you seen come out of that program that have excelled in the NFL from TCU? I mean, LaDainian Tomlinson and who? I mean, it's almost like North Dakota State. Like who? Like wide receivers in that conference? You know how hard it is to get open? You throw your helmet on the field and you're open. Nobody plays defense. Surely wasn't Oklahoma playing defense. Okay? I mean, what did he see, though, that is so different today on how he absolutely just imploded on that pick? By the way, that pick, 
now even looks worse because now he's been cut by the Vikings. No one thinks anything of him. And yet that guy was what the 22nd player taken in the NFL draft. That has to be Howie Roseman's worst pick since he's been the general manager of the football team. And don't say it was Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz was not a horrible pick. It finished horrible, but it didn't start horrible. And there was a lot of winning involved with him. And there was a ton of success with him. Last two years was terrible, albeit. But he had success. The Carson Wentz era in Philadelphia resulted in a Super Bowl. Couldn't have been all that bad. Couldn't have been that bad. Not like this pick. Because do you understand what's going on right now in Minnesota? Minnesota right now is sitting down with Justin Jefferson, and they're trying to figure out whether or not to pay him $30 million or $28 million a year. <laughs> and they just cut Rager yesterday. What was the one determining factor on why, how he missed? I've got to tell you what I just said. I want you to listen again. What was the one determining factor on why Jalen Rager failed? What do you think that one determining factor was? Do you know? It was Howie Roseman. Because he was the one determining factor. He didn't listen. He didn't listen to scouting reports. He didn't listen to Butsoe. He saw a guy on tape, someone he talked to, someone he liked, and he didn't take the opinion of people who, who do that for a living. You don't truly think that how he goes around uh, on a weekly basis talking to pro and college scouts or talking to college coaches on a daily basis. He does most of that shit in the offseason and his assistant coaches, his area scouts and his college personnel people go and do that. Then they report to him. This goes back one more time to how he listening to everyone in the building. Okay. 11 goes, it's highly skeptical. What? How we listen to one guy. We just got through talking that you guys think he's a better general manager now because he listens to more people. How we looked at Sporting News Mag. A lot of people do that. They look at the name on the back of the jersey. Okay? They look at the name on the back of the jersey. Hey, and by the way, I don't think Andre Dillard was a complete failure. He just signed a pretty nice deal with the Tennessee Titans. And if you can't start in Philadelphia in the offensive line, I don't know. I think that's a – hey, would we not agree starting in the Philadelphia offensive line? It's probably one of the toughest jobs you try to get, don't you think? Right? I think – hey, I think if Jack Driscoll got on the open market, Jack Driscoll could probably start for half the teams in the league. Okay. How we stopped trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Gary, 
So true. But guess what, Gary? Howie Roseman stopped being trying to be the smartest guy in the room, and he turned out to be the smartest guy in the room because you know what he did? In the process, he started building a team. He had the Andrew Berries, the Joe Douglases, the assistant up in Pittsburgh. He had all those people. And they were there at his... Dude, I'm telling you, Chip Kelly's the greatest thing ever happened to Howie Roseman. Chip Kelly saved Howie Roseman's career. And the owner giving him a second chance, this is why Howie came out in that press conference yesterday and said, I believe everybody deserves a second chance. Because he got one. He got one. He is a better G. Hey, he would never draft a guy like Jalen Rager again. Not when you're looking at and watching how Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and how those guys conduct themselves. I think the two leaders on that team now, in my opinion, I don't think they're Jason Kelsey. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's Brandon Graham. I think it's Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. I think those are your two leaders because they lead by example. This is the Eagle way. Shut your face. Do your job. Don't create any bullshit outside the locker room. It's us against the world. And that's the new leaders of your team. Don't you think? Look, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Brandon Graham set the environment tone on what's to be expected. But these are your new young leaders. The baton's being passed. Is Rager better than Quez? No. Jalen Rager doesn't belong in the NFL. He's an XFL or USFL guy or Canadian Football League guy. He's not an NFL wide receiver. You know why? He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be. Okay? I like those two young guys. By the way, ton of college games this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. My Canes play Friday night, by the way. Want to hit a little more on some NFL news. By the way, so Jonathan Taylor, he starts the season on the pup list. You talk about being in the shittiest organization in pro football. Man, I don't know what's worse, Arizona or Indianapolis. Man, if you're Jonathan Taylor, how in the world are, are, are you in a position where you think, I, I, I feel for the kid? Hey, Hollywood, you're right, man. All my friends in Florida say some loves. Hey, by the way, Big Sills has to take a personal day tomorrow. Okay? Um, so this is the last hour, but Friday I will be back. Okay, so again, I got to take a personal day tomorrow. So do me a favor, please. Make sure you um, sit here and we got a we got a great hour Thursday. Um, it'll be manned by someone else, I believe. But Friday, we, we will be back. Hey, don't forget also, my friends, 40th anniversary of Hooters, man. We are so looking forward to our great friends. Man, I got to tell you something flat out. 
I am looking forward to seeing each and every single one of you. It's the 40th anniversary. We love you guys so much. We want you to come out and see us. Seven locations. Um, NortheastHooters.com. Find one of the seven locations nearest to you for you to be able to go and experience what I've been talking about now as we celebrate the 40th anniversary of Hooters. I mean, look, the iconic Hooter girls are going to be there for you. If you want to get your fantasy draft teams together, great place for you to hold it. Tuesdays, buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, a 40-year tradition that we have at Hooters is there for you. 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat free on Saturdays. Six items, six bucks. My God. By the way, don't forget, next week we're going to be giving away merchandise and gift certificates for one of those seven locations, northeasthooters.com. Don't forget, we'll be doing a lot of stuff with our friends at King of Prussia Hooters. And if you go into, and when you go into Hooters, do me a favor, you make sure you tell them Big Sill sent you. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
So Jonathan Taylor starts the season out on the pup list. I mean, why? what's the end game here? He says he's fine. So you don't want to pay him. And now you're not going to play him because of your arrogance. Shit. Carson Wentz and Frank Reich, you're lucky to get out of there. That's a place where you go where your career ends because the owner is a buffoon. He is so unpredictable. And working in an environment like that, that unpredictable environment, now I know why Peyton Manning hates that team. This guy's being vindictive because Jonathan Taylor stood up for himself. Look at how that owner is treating Jonathan Taylor. You know when those guys were making that comment about, what was his name? Um, That McNair guy down in Houston who owned the, um, the Texans, and he said, we can't have the inmates running the asylum. Okay, and everyone looked at that and, your mind will say this, and get this. I per- This is how, and I'm going to use a word that all of you will be able to take because somebody out there is watching right now, and I always have to be careful because somebody will cut something up to make me look like a tool. But this is like the owners, again, in the NFL, looking at someone like your cattle. And I'll use cattle. Is that okay, Tony, you think? Cattle? It's like, it's like you're a farmhand or you, you're one of the cattle. Guy owns the ranch. Hey, you just happen to be there. I mean, all Taylor did was try to stick up for himself. Hey, trade me. You, you, you don't want me here. Effing trade me. Instead, what he does... He's pretending the guy, hey, I don't, by the way, real quick, where's the NFL Players Association? Where are your baguettes? Do you have any baguettes? Why are you not defending that player's right to work when that owner is absolutely holding you back from finding employment and not paying you? Grounds for a lawsuit, Philly says. Oh, it's because the union is the worst union in pro football history, and they're lap dogs to the owners who just absolutely allow the players to bend over and give them whatever they want. And I'm talking the owners. They take full advantage of these guys. Can you imagine Jim Mersey being told, here, think about this for a second. By the way, Tony Saracusa will get a big schedule of college football. I want to talk some college football here at the bottom of the hour, 530 Eastern. Um, can you imagine telling Jim Ursay this? Twiz, I, I thought he signed a contract to play. Twiz goes, basketball's terrible? Absolutely not. Basketball's the greatest. Because when you make $250 million in the NBA, you can run Phil Jackson out of town. 
Carmelo Anthony ran Phil out of the building. You know why? Because he had $210 million in guaranteed money. <laughs> you think that stupid-ass owner that owns the Knicks was going to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, $210 million, or Phil Jackson? When you make money in the NBA, you make real money. You're business partners. That's why your boy in Philly, James Harden, could tell you all you guys to go to hell. And that's why a guy like Ben Simmons is saying that he'd really love to come back to Philly and play because you know why? He's oblivious to how you feel because he doesn't give a shit. You know why? He paid me the money. Well, the fans hate him. I don't care. I'm making $30 million a year, $40 million a year. You got to pay me, whether you like me or not. Okay? Greatest union of all time. Stick up for their players. Battle for their players. Players make the money. Guaranteed contracts. NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts. Get that phony money in there. You got that phony money. So when an owner goes like this, oh, he doesn't want to play ball. Well, you ain't playing ball. And no one does anything about it. Doesn't the commissioner come in on this and step in? I thought he had the best interest of the players. Oh, that's right. I forgot. He works for Urse. Or no. Yeah, he works for Urse. Urse pays his paycheck. You know, it's funny. I think I heard, hey, hey, um, uh, Tone, did I not hear when I heard, I thought I heard D Gunn say something like, we know these players today have the best medical assistants and the best doctors at their disposal. Really? If I'm Jonathan Taylor, do you trust the best doctors and the best orthopedic people, the best mental health people in their building? The owner pays them? I'm supposed to trust them? If I'm Jonathan Taylor with my best interest and my health? How's that, how's that not a conflict of interest? To have a doctor or someone in the building put you out on a football field like Brock Purdy or RG3 or anybody ahead of schedule because you feel the pressure of the owner and an owner like Ursay to put you out there. Do you really believe that Jonathan Taylor is hurt? I don't. And media people will say, well, players today have the best doctors, the best orthopedic people, and yet they're paid by the owners. I'm, I'm not taking their opinion. Jonathan Taylor comes back off the pup list in four weeks. Why would I go out and break my ass for you? The player will be tarnished because the media will look at it. You know, they gave him everything he needed. Doctors are there for him. So I'm supposed to believe a doctor that Jim Merce pays for. Can't sit out, Sydney. He'll lose his year of eligibility 
and a year on his pension. If he's not on the active roster, you don't get that year credit. And how many years has Jonathan Taylor been in the NFL? Has he been in four? Is, this, is he going into his fourth year? This is a pension year. This is why it's even more effed up. Is Jonathan Taylor going into his fourth year? Let me tell you why this sucks. And of course, the PA is nowhere to be seen. And because many media people don't know it, he's going into his third year. Okay. For you to get a full pension in the NFL, you got to get into your fourth year and into your fourth game for you to get a full pension. Oh, it's fourth? Sorry, he's going into his fourth. This is a pension year. Jim Mersey stopped his pension and his benefits. You think anybody's reporting that? All he needed to be was active for three games or four games it is. And he gets his pension. Now, he has to wait for him to get the pension. And he may not play this year. So that'll go back into next year. It's a pension year. Four years, four games. You got to play four years, get credit for four years. For you to get credit for four years, you got to play into your fourth year, three games. And he's suspended for the first four. What a total asshole. You can't, he not only took the game away, but he took his medical benefits and paused them. This is more sinister than people think. It's more sinister. I have not heard one person mention the fact when you're on the pup list, there's a reason you're on the pup list. You're not paid, and you don't get credited for that. until. Why do you think Deshaun – get this. Deshaun Watson had 25 sexual assault allegations against him when he was still with the Texans. Do you know he was active for every one of those games? He was on the active roster. He wasn't on the commissioner's exemplist. He wasn't on IR. He was active. He got credited for that year. And all Taylor did was stick up for himself with, um, with Ursay. I mean, and then here's the word too. So you guys remember Armando Salguero coming on from The Athletic a couple weeks back? Well, Armando told me last night that Ursay went like this. Okay, if you're going to give me a second rounder, I'll take Jalen Waddle. The Dolphins and Chris, Lear, Chris Greer, the general manager, laughed at Ursay. And I said, Armando, no, no, you mean Chris Ballard. And Andy goes, no. Ursay's making the call. I go, wait a minute. 
Jim Irsay called Chris Greer, the general manager in Miami. He, he, goes, he was on the phone with Ballard. From what I understand, it was a collective conversation. I go, okay. So Ballard was on the GM of the Colts. He goes, yeah, but Ursay was too. And they wanted the Dolphins to kick in Jalen Waddell and a two for Jonathan Taylor. And the Dolphins laughed at him. That's not working. They were like, not happening. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I'd rather give you a one than give you Jalen Waddle. That guy's telling the entire world the running back position is not a value. You see how contradicting this is and what they're doing? with the running back position and how they're controlling salaries and colluding. This is collusion. On one hand, they're telling you the running back position doesn't garner a lot of salary and base, but yet you want Jalen Waddle in it too for the guy you think doesn't have value as a first rounder, but you want a first round talent and a second round talent for him. I'm lost. I'm, I'm sorry I'm talking like this to you because it sounds confusing. It's confusing actually to me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's confusing to me. Why should you care, Cody says? Easy. Why should you care, Cody says? on how that's being handled. I think it gives you more of a respect for how they handle their football players in Philadelphia and how you guys do business compared to places like Dallas, Indy, San Francisco, Arizona. Um, I think you should have a higher regard for how they do business. And what I think it does, it accentuates and puts an exclamation point on how they work and how they're honest and genuine with their coaches and with their players and why they've been successful. That's why I think it's important. I think it's important to see the difference between success and failure. You, you have tons of examples of this in why the Eagles are where they, Hey, after that four loss or four win season you had, for the Eagles to have dug themselves out of it and created in two years, and the last two years giving yourself an opportunity to be the best team in the NFC two years in a row from a four-win team is pretty remarkable. Most teams don't recover like that. Ask the Jets. Ask the Jets. Do you know the Jets are in a 12-year drought on making the postseason? Poor decisions, poor hirings. Hey, I'll give you one better. You want to hear something? Since the New York Jets were called, and this, this goes back to Jody. Since the New York Jets were called the New York Titans, there's been only one head coach in the 60-plus years that has a winning record 
in New York, and that includes WeBuBank. Bill Parcells. Al Groh had one nine and seven season. The rest of them are all underwater. Can you imagine that? 60 plus years. There's really one coach with any tenor. Parcells. That just tells you what they do. In, and, and, and here. You want to hear this one here, Quan? Since 2000. The Eagles have had Andy Reid. Chip Kelly. Doug Peterson. And now Nick Sirianni. All four of those coaches have winning records as head coaches, the Eagles. And all of them are in a row. That's the importance of it. Four coaches in consecutive eras. The Andy Reid era. The Doug, uh, the Chip era, the Peterson era, and the Sirianni era. All four. You know the only other organization I can think that that works with? Steelers. They've had three coaches since 1969. Look, look here. Look at the stability. That's not always been the case in Philly, too, by the way. Prior to Laurie owning the team, it was Brayman and it was Toads and them guys, and they were up and down for numerous decades, and they were upside down numerous decades. But since that owner has taken over, hey, the Steelers since, what was it? January 19th, 1969. Chuck Knoll. Bill Cower and Mike Tomlin have been the only head coaches in Pittsburgh. There's been more popes. There's been more presidents in the United States than head coaches in Pittsburgh. Look at their track record. Follow me here. The Dallas Cowboys for 25 years had two coaches. Win four Super Bowls. Tom Landry and Jimmy Johnson. And since then, it's been Chan Gailey, Dave Campo, Bill Parcells, Garrett, Mike McCarthy. You've had triple the coaches in Dallas. No stability. Look at the winning in Green Bay since Mike Holmgren. Every coach has a winning record in Green Bay. The teams that have stability are the teams that consistently win and don't change out the, the head coach in the mailbox every five years. That's not what they do. They got a formula on how they do shit and how they hire people. I think it's pretty remarkable that what the um, – what the Eagles have been able to do 
Baldwin, even Chip had a winning record. Okay? Even Chip had a winning record in Philly. Didn't he have a couple 10-plus win seasons his first two years? Then the thing imploded, right? Because of the shitty personnel decisions. I'm not going to debate him, but, I mean, he did good things too. You guys don't want to admit it because Philly's not really strong on giving kudos in a way to somebody with good things into the building. Okay? All the organizations that have success, like I said, Philadelphia, last four coaches, all winning records. Pittsburgh, three coaches since 1969. Green Bay, since Holmgren, three coaches, all winning records. The teams that don't turn over their programs are the ones that have stability in the building because there's a formula in the building on how they do things. I'll say this before I bring Tony Saracusa in and our good friend because we got a big schedule. First week of college football, last word on college football. Nick Saban's not the greatest coach on the planet, but you know what he is? He reminds me a lot of Jimmy. He hires all these great coaches like Steve Sarkeesian and Bill O'Brien, Mario Cristobal, all these position coaches. You get the best coaching on the planet, and I would say Nick's probably the greatest recruiter. But now that money's being thrown in the mix – Georgia now has that tag. Money has changed the dynamic of college football. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting college football seasons that we've seen. And it's a full slate, big games. I think my Canes play on Friday, barring the hurricane. The Gators play Utah. That'll be tomorrow night. Let's bring our friend in, Tony Saracusa from Last Word on College Football. Has to be one of the most anticipated seasons college football history don't you think tony you know what good to be with you brother dan i i I think it is and because part of the reason is it's the last season in this configuration of college football before chaos takes over next year um with teams playing and you know where wherever regardless of region so i think that there is a lot to watch it's the last year of the four-team playoff it's the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it, and maybe the last year of the Pac-12 at all. Um, it's the last year of a lot of conferences as we know them. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's also the last year of a lot of, of rivalries that were built out of the conferences and the region. So I think this is going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of melodrama in terms of how we watch it and how these games are covered. Um, but there's a lot of good football and you know what? I'm glad that this weekend is here and we finally get to talk actual football and not some of the other stuff. Absolutely. Me too. Okay. Well, let's start it out here with this. Sure. Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, Michigan, LSU, Mm -hmm. that group of teams versus the field. What do you have for the national title? Oh, that it's going to be, it's going to come from that group of teams. I I don't think there's any question about it. And I'm telling you that I still think it's Georgia um, until proven otherwise, you know, quite frankly. I mean, it's um, they've, they, they've brought in a good recruiting class. They've got another good quarterback. And I think that uh, when you lose the amount of players 
that Georgia has lost to the NFL over the last you know few years, and you're still able to be that competitive, you know, and and be at the top of your game because you've got three, four deep sitting there uh, waiting for their turn, and they're all four star players. It's what Alabama had done for so many years. And Georgia has has started to to pick that up. I think Carson Beck is going to prove to be a very good young quarterback. Um, I, I still think it's Georgia. I think LSU is going to be good. Jaden Daniels is infinitely better at LSU than he ever was at Arizona State. Uh, he was a runner who could throw at Arizona State. He's a real quarterback at LSU. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not ready to throw dirt on Alabama's grave yet and, and say it's over just because it's Nick Saban. And, and I heard what you said, you know, while I was waiting to come on, you know, Saban is not the greatest coach ever, but he does the greatest coaching job yeah, because he knows who to surround himself with and he knows what's missing and he goes out and finds it and fills those gaps. Who do you think has had a higher impact on the Southeastern Conference, Nick Saban or Bear Bryant? Well, I think it's Bear Bryant historically because so there were so many transformational things that happened during the Bear Bryant era, nonetheless, none the least of which was the integration of race into college football in the South. And, you know, I, I'm, I, you know me, I'm an old dude and I go way back and, you know, knowing the legend of Sam Bam Cunningham at USC. And, uh, I, you know, I actually met John McKay one time. And McKay was just, of course, full of great stories and anecdotes from his days at USC. And whether it's true or not, it was a great story when he said at one point he started yelling across the field at Bear Bryant, telling him what play was coming. And he would say, yelling, Bear, Cunningham, over the top, knowing that Alabama couldn't stop him. And, and the impact that, that that game had, Bear Bryant had on the evolution of what we know college football to be today. I, I, a lot of wins under Nick Saban, and it's not to diminish Nick Saban. It's really, in my mind, elevating Bear Bryant. Yeah, um, you know, Coach McKay was around the Buccaneer program when I got drafted mm -hmm. there, and his son Rich drafted me. Sure. And that's, that story's true, I mean. And plus, the USC coaches wanted John McKay to, like, slam Alabama worse. And him and Bear had been really good friends, and he didn't want to embarrass them. He didn't think it was in the best interest of the sport. And that story is absolutely true, that that game at Legion Field really, I think, was the thing that was the turning point for the Southeastern Conference. I got I to I throw this at you here, too, real quick. You know, this is kind of off topic before we get to the conferences here. Yeah. Um. Do you think a program like Arizona State should be penalizing kids of today for something that happened in 2020 when it came to COVID-19 recruiting violations, whatever that was? And you know this, Tony, programs back then were taking loans. They were doing everything they could to keep their programs afloat. Sure. Transfer portals were going nuts. Sure. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 in my opinion, have suffered massively because of their decisions and non-decisions during that time. It just seems, why are you penalizing kids today for something that happened a couple of years back under a different regime? 
in general terms, I have a problem with, it, and I've always had a problem with it, even when the NCAA did it. You know, you're going to penalize a team now for, you know, an investigation that you took four years to get through type of thing. But I think this one runs a little deeper, and here's why. The, the transgressions were blatant. I mean, this wasn't just, yeah, we got some guys who we're not supposed to. They knew they weren't supposed to. The recruiting visits were happening at midnight under the cover of darkness. But there were video cameras all over the facility. The real problem was they got turned in from within. The call came from inside the house, as they say. And by the, the system, way, this was self-imposed by Arizona yeah, State, right. not the but NCAA. The, and, but, but the problems were Antonio Pierce turned in receipts for expenses from the illegal recruiting, and someone on the staff who didn't like them turned them into the NCAA. And you're right, Herm Edwards, all of them, the whole coaching staff is gone from everyone there. The only one who's still around is the AD, Ray, Ray Tanner, who probably should be gone also. The problem, the problem I have is the NCA could have come down harder, and they might have. So I think this was heading off what the NCAA was going to do. I got to be honest, you weren't going to a bowl this year anyway. You're you're a four to five win team at best. Okay, so, so they knew anyway. So I think the program says we're just going to take the hit when we're not making it when we're not going to make it anyway. My problem with it is when they chose to make the announcement. A week before the season started, then you let the players know, then you let the new coach know. That's a problem. If you had done it sooner, some of these players could have transferred out and had another chance to go play at a bowl somewhere else. My problem was when they did it, not that they did it. What are your expectations for Deion Sanders in Colorado this year? Um, minimal. I got to be honest. I mean, I love the flair. I love the hype. I love all of, you know, the stuff that Dion brings. But look, this was a one-win team a year ago. Let, let's for a second compare one-win programs. Arizona was a one-win program, but seven of their losses were by one touchdown or less. Colorado was getting blown out every week. They weren't Terrible. even close. Now you have, you know, transfer you you know, that use the transfer portal more than anyone. They're at 82 scholarship players. They didn't even get to the 85 because they lost almost, they lost really more than what they brought in. And I, I just, it, it takes so long to formulate any kind of synergy with players that, you know, six months ago didn't know each other, um, that it's a three, four win program this year. Wow. So that being said, if people are expecting him to be a guy that's going to turn that thing back into like when they were winning national championships and playing for him, I don't think he's going to be there long enough. No, I don't need to happen. I think he could be the Atlanta Falcons next head football coach. If things go sideways down there. And so, you know, you know, is this just a stepping stone for him in your opinion? Cause yes. it just feels that way to me. Yes. I think he actually had more commitment to his previous job <clears throat> because he wanted I think to... Jackson State could beat Colorado actually. <laughs> I think you're probably right. And 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 he wanted to improve the vibe of the HBCUs. This was he he's got no ties to Colorado in any capacity whatsoever. No. I I think this is a gig that paid well. Um he could show that he could turn it around in a couple of years 
but I don't see that he's there more than a couple of years. When you talk about what Colorado was winning before, Bill McCartney was a lifer at Colorado, broke a lot of rules while he was there doing it, but he was a lifer there. I don't think Dion's got that kind of commitment. You know, you say breaking rules. I say, you know, it's, it's, it's gamesmanship. <laughs> remember, <laughs> I went to Miami, Tony. You got to remember that. <laughs> let, yeah. me go, let me go through the conferences here. Sure. Okay, let's start with the obvious here. Pac-12, what's this thing going to look like this year with all the chaos going on? It. I mean, hey, by the way, I saw USC versus San Jose State. I'm like, uh, there's still a defensive problem on that side of the football. And I, you're going to run into Kyle Winningham's Utah team yes. again. Yep. And I don't think you're going to get past them. Do you see it how oh, I see it? I completely. As long as Alex Grinch, look, they gave up 400 yards of offense to a bad San Jose State team. I call Alex Grinch is the Grinch who stole defense. <laughs> you know, um, no, no offense to Dr. Seuss, but he's the Grinch <laughs> that stole defense. It's terrible. The offense had a, had great young recruits. The defense is built off the transfer portal. They're not there yet. They're not even close. I actually think Washington wins the conference. I love what Kalen DeBear is doing up there. I like Michael Penix. You know, I would love to see just in a complete what the heck, why not? See Oregon State win it. Why not? You know, they're getting left at the doorstep. I think DJ Uyunglele is going to have a great season under Jonathan uh, and uh, Jonathan Anderson up there in the offense that he runs at at Oregon State. I, I or Jonathan Smith rather. Sorry, I think he's going to be terrific up there. I don't think they're good enough to win it, but hey, it would be fun if they did. Uh, so you want to see Washington State and Oregon State in the Pac-12? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Southeastern Conference. Let's go there. Um, like you said, is it is it? L, does there a shot that LSU can sneak themselves into that Georgia game against? Yes. And, yeah, and, and I, I don't even think. Yeah, I don't even think it's really sneaking in. Like I said, I'm not ready to throw dirt on Alabama's grave yet. But LSU is very good. Brian Kelly has done a terrific job down there. Jaden Daniels is a legit All Conference candidate for quarterback. Um, so, yeah, we could absolutely see LSU versus Georgia for the SEC title. If he wins a national championship at LSU, is that an indictment at Notre Dame that Marcus Freeman has no shot? Because I personally think if you're the head coach at Notre Dame, you have no chance of winning a national title. They don't They don't redshirt. They don't right. believe in redshirting. Right. Um, you're not getting those SEC – and in two years in Baton Rouge, he wins a title yeah, versus I, being there a decade in South Bend. I mean, yeah, got to be a message it, somewhere. Indictment might be a strong word, but I hear where you're going with this. He had done all he could possibly yeah. do at Notre Dame with the academic requirements. No offense to LSU, but let's be real about this. You can get guys into LSU that you could never get in. At 81% acceptance to LSU. Right, exactly. Versus 16 at Notre Dame. Right, and like you said, there are all the other handcuffs that you got to wear at Notre Dame as the head coach. Um, so he had done all he could do. He got him to the playoffs once, and that was that. I agree. Marcus Freeman isn't isn't going to win a national championship there either. Did you think against Navy that Notre Dame was a top 10 program? I think it was impossible to tell because it was against Navy. Do you I think mean, they're a top 10 program? Uh, I think they're top 15. I, w I wouldn't put them top 10. I'd put them top 15. 
I think, you know, Notre Dame is overly excited about Sam Hartman. Look, I watched Sam Hartman up close and personal last year at Wake Forest. He's a good quarterback, but Hartman's issue was and will be quicksand. When he starts to get into trouble, he can't get himself out. And it happened at Louisville. It happened in the NC State game. It happened multiple times last year. And and it is, we'll see if he's gotten past that. You're not going to know because you played Navy. Big 10, is it a three-team race between Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State? Yes, but really I think it's a two-team race. I think it's Michigan and Ohio State. I think Penn State is still, they'll, they'll be close. They'll, they'll hang in there. Um, I like Michigan because I like the defense of Michigan. I mean, that, and, you know, look, the offensive line wins the Joe Moore Award every year. It's the best offensive line, and the defense is just so good right now. Ohio State, I know they named Kyle McCord the starter, but if you listen to Ryan Day's press conference, I'm not even convinced he's convinced that maybe Devin Brown won't be the guy at some point during the season, that Kyle McCord is the guy good enough for week one. So I, I like J.J. McCarthy and the offense that, that you know, he has in his hands at Michigan. I think Michigan wins the Big Ten. You know, you, you, you look at James Franklin and what he's done there at mm-hmm. Penn State. Do you think he's one of the top ten coaches in college football? He's paid like it, isn't he? <laughs> you bet he is. And that's, that's kind of where I'm going here. When you're making that kind of money, coming in third place sure. in Happy Valley – Sure. I mean, I'm going to say it here, and you know what? I mean, you, people will probably look at it in a different light here, but that ain't Joe Paterno. Oh, no, not even close. Not even close. Look, I mean, the teams don't even look like the Joe Paterno teams. No, they don't, they don't look as tough as yes. the Joe Paterno teams. Right. Like they don't look as physical. Right. Um, their uniforms don't get as muddy and dirty as they did, you know, when John Capaletti was running I mean, those the ball, teams right? beat you up that he yeah. had. Yeah, they absolutely did. Look, he's paid the way he is because his agent, Jimmy Sexton, had Penn State believing he was going to leave. One Same of the great as- coaching agents, pro yep. in college in the country. Look at what look at what Mel Tucker is getting at Michigan State with the same agent. Um, you know, is he a top 10 coach? He's probably if, if not, he's probably close to it. Um, but, you know, is he one of the elites right now? No. The Big 12 has gone through um, a complete facelift, and I think and Brett Yormark has done a spectacular job Agreed. coming over from Jay-Z's company yep. and what he did. I mean, I knew him back in the day when he ran Jay-Z's company, and he has just – I think if you were to tell me six months ago, Pac-12 or Big 12, which do you think the conference was going to fold, I would have said the Big 12. We all the would Big have. Big 12 looks stronger. Is this Texas year – or again, am I going to be looking at it going, how can you have 35 five-star guys on that team and you can't beat Kansas? <laughs> I am not backing Texas until Texas proves they're worthy of me backing them. I, 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 too many years I've said, yeah, this is it. for This is good. This is it. I like Quinn Ewers as a quarterback. I don't love Quinn Ewers as a quarterback. He's, he's fine. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go way off the rails in the big 12 and I'm going to say Texas tech is going to win it. I am all on board with Joey McGuire as a coach. I'm, I'm buying what this guy is selling. He is all in on the recruiting and the transfer portal. I like Tyler show as the quarterback there. I am. I love what Texas tech is doing right now. 
I think I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna pull an upset and win the conference. FSU out of the ACC. Do you mm-hmm. think that they can push Clemson into a point where you're kind of maybe giving those committee members a thought that they could make it into the Final Four? Yeah, because they they look like they got a pretty good team. Now again, there's another team, right? And Tony, I'll tell you what: what he's done, Norville, what he did at Memphis, and what he's doing in Tallahassee. Boy, he really did transform that thing into what they were doing at Memphis. It's a completely different looking program right now than what it was four years ago. Oh, it's it's a huge difference. I actually, in my ACC poll at ACC Media Days, voted for Norvell as the conference coach of the year um, because I think he's going to have a really good year. Look, I think it's Clemson and Florida State in the conference championship game. I think it's a big drop off to the rest of the conference after that. UNC will be fine. NC State will be fine. You know, Drake May, the quarterback at UNC, will have a terrific year. Um, but it's those two and then a pretty significant gap. Um, I think that Florida State, I, I, I like I, I like the quarterback play at Florida State. The defense, still a little bit to prove, but I like Jordan Travis at quarterback. I like what the offense looks like. And I think Norvell has done a terrific job down there utilizing the transfer portal and recruiting. Yeah, I, I think they can absolutely give Clemson a push. I'll have a last question here for you, but I got a comment here for you. I don't cover five and seven hurricane teams. I'll let you know when they're they're they win some ball games. I mean, you know, we didn't lose a game at home in 10 years. So I'm when you're five and seven, you don't get proper coverage from big sales. That's just I don't cover I don't cover shitty football teams like that. <laughs> let me let me let me ask you. About the Heisman. Sure. Tim Tebow couldn't win two Heisman trophies, and you couldn't have a more polarizing player and a more publicized player and a more promoted player. Why does Caleb Williams win his second Heisman if he does? I don't think he does. I don't either. I don't think he will. He's he's very talented. He is very good. I don't think it's one of those things where the voters don't want to give back to back. You know, I think the voters will give it to whomever they want. Part of my problem with the voters, and I put it off on them. There are many awards I vote for. I don't have a Heisman vote yet. Heisman committee, I should. (laughs) Um, But so many of them, frankly, vote so early in the season. They don't even wait till the conference championship games that, you know, USC schedule ain't easy. They got to play Notre Dame and they, you know, they've got to play Utah and they've got to play some really tough games. And when once he struggles in one of those in late October, early November, there are going to be a lot of voters who write him off. So I actually don't think he wins the Heisman. I think he'll be one of the finalists. I think he'll get there, but I don't think he'll win it. You think that kid Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State could put up kind of a fight for that Heisman this year? I absolutely do. He is by far and away the best receiver in the country. Um And I think that regardless of who the quarterback is, we just talked a few minutes ago about the uncertainty at quarterback. Both of those guys are really very good. And so no matter who it is, it's not going to, it's not going to be a hindrance to Marvin Harrison's numbers. I I absolutely think he can be a candidate. I think Drake may at UNC can be a candidate. He's going to go through some adjustments because he's got a new offensive coordinator. Phil Longo's in Wisconsin now. So there'll be some adjustments with Phil Lindsay but I think they'll have a good enough offense that he'll put up some really good numbers, and I think he'll be a candidate as well. 
Well, make sure you stay safe with that hurricane rolling around out there. I Tell will. We're getting we're, we're we're getting the outer outer band now in Charlotte, so we're we're getting about ten straight hours of rain at this point. No, keep. We'll make sure you stay safe there. Tell the folks how they can find all your fantastic work. A big college football weekend this weekend: Florida, Utah tomorrow, Nebraska, mm-hmm. Minnesota, Miami versus Miami on Friday, <laughs> Louisville, Georgia Tech. Really, the LSU-FSU game on Sunday, then Clemson and Duke on Monday. Yep. Tell the folks where they can find all your work. Yeah, we, we have previews up already of every one of those games you mentioned and several, several more. Last word on collegefootball.com. Uh, we've got the website. We've got an Instagram page. We've got a Facebook page. You can find us at Last Word on CFB on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now. And uh, you can find me at Tony Bruin on Twitter because I'm still going to call it Twitter. Well, you are my resident college football guru and my go-to guy. You and Brad Nessler and uh, Tim I love Brando. Brad. I, Those are I, my I, go-to college football guys. And Dennis Dodd, too. I got to throw Dennis in there. I like Dennis, too. Uh, yeah, Dennis and I are on the Football Writers Association yep. together. And, and So am I. Uh, yeah, I know, I, I know you are. And uh, – yeah, I love I love Tim. I love Brad Nessler. Big fan of, of Brad's work. So I'm honored to be in that group. Absolutely. You're on the executive committee. So, I mean, you're one of the big yeah. dogs there. And I appreciate you doing this all the time for me, Tony. Thank you so much, my friend. Be safe. Glad to do it, Dan. Be well. You bet. That is our friend Tony Saracusa from The Last Word on College Football. We appreciate it. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most 
sure our prayers were answered. But now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-X. Eagles. Big Sills. If you are the Eagles, would you have interest in Kareem Hunt? Add him to the mix. Would you be interested in Kareem Hunt? I see, this is the stuff right now. Here, here. Here's what Howie is looking at now. He needs more special teams talent. You're not going to play Rashad Penny on special teams, I don't think. Even though he was a fantastic punt returner and kickoff return guy when he was at San Diego State, he'd be perfect for that, but he's too brittle. Um, you need linebackers. You just need bodies. Okay, you you need bodies. You're probably going to look at another safety because, again, you can use them on special teams. You're not looking for O-linemen and D-linemen right now. You're looking to fill depth and create some bodies on special teams here. Yes, I sure would. Swift and Hunt would, be, would make the Eagle screen game lethal, but I heard – has about four teams in a bidding war, and he's giving them a hard way to go. I doubt the Eagles get into a bidding war over a running back. You wouldn't pay three, four million dollars for that guy? Kareem Hunt and DeAndre Swift. What what was that one year he had where he was 18% of the offense, where he was catching footballs out of the backfield? His career kind of got side-railed after that whole incident with that woman, and then he became the backup in Cleveland. He, he was a piece in, in Kansas City. He was a formidable piece out there for them. And then everything just got sideways there. You know? I mean, it just – they lost faith in the player. Then the player became a backup. And some guys were even saying that, well, he's lost a step. Well, because he's not being used. He's he's not as active as he was when he was in KC. Um, Hurts needs more weapons. No, he doesn't. Kareem Hunt was nice until the video came out. Again, how he believes in second chances, he said. I would worry about linebackers in depth. Probably more so there, but man. So how about this? How does this sound? Kareem Hunt, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, and Kenneth Gainwell. 
that kind of dresses that room up a little bit, though, doesn't it? In case Hurts gets hurt, it wouldn't be a complete disaster. Plus, you're you're helping Mariota. Dude, you got to always think about disaster. How's your team look if something goes sideways or you lose a player? And you're not very good. Get this. Adding Hunt helps your screen game and your passing game because your wide receivers outside of the top two guys, you're not getting much help. Okay? I used to, couldn't stand sales when I first found this as a Cowboys fan, obviously, but you've earned lifelong respect, brother. Joe, thank you. Joe, you got the team. Jerry just needs to let the thing cook. This guy always takes the cake out of the oven before it's done. You know? I would have drafted Jalen Hurts if he was there. And you got Dak who you just gave $50 million to. You're like this. Dude, how's that help? Can you get hey, – that's basically – Jerry Jones is Carson Wentz. Wow. He said that. I would have had another quarterback. So, you got one. And you're paying them. It doesn't make sense. Right? All right, folks. Listen, um, I got a personal day I got to take tomorrow. So, We really appreciate you guys coming aboard. And we will be back Friday. Same bad channel, same bad time. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys. So everything's good. Everything's okay. Okay. Got a big day tomorrow. So we really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Xander, Big Joe, thank you as always. We thank you guys. I'll see you guys on Friday. Whoever mans the ship tomorrow, I'm sure they'll take good care of you guys, and we'll be back on Friday. I thank you guys. There's so many choices out there for you guys to go to, and you choose us each and every single day. Thank you so much. Tone, keep up the great work. You're spectacular. We love you very much. My friends, 3 to 6 on Friday, I will catch you. Check out our guys tomorrow, see what they do here with the show. We look forward to seeing you on Friday going 3 to 6, and we shall catch you on the flip side. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.